0: Congratulations again to Noah for an awesome achievement, great accomplishment, and um, he's a great young man. And uh, we'll talk more about this in a few minutes, about him, Um, but I'm going to talk about me for a few minutes. (laughs) It's awkward, isn't it, talking about yourself, but um, I'm going to talk about myself. Uh, Basically... um, share with you a little bit about what, um, my plans are for the next few months. Um, I'm excited about it. And I know some of you are, and this is the only opportunity that I get to uh, just explain what it is that I'm doing for the next four and a half months. And, uh, so, uh, just bear along with us. Uh, honey, would you come up sister, honey, come up. And, uh, she's an amazing, amazing wife. For lots of reasons, but one of them is that she uh, indulges me in my uh, adventures, and uh, I don't know how many wives would do what she does or put up with what she does uh, to allow me to do that. And uh, so I am blessed. I don't don't want you guys to know that I'm really blessed, and uh, she's she is an she's an amazing (laughs) wife. The fact is, she's going to be so busy while I'm gone that, um, yeah, I had to get out and find something to do. I'd be bored. (laughs) Um, I'm excited because next week at this time, uh, I will be on my bicycle. uh, First day of beginning a trek across country uh, to um, ultimately to Anaheim, California. Uh, and somebody said, Well, is it, it's got a motor on it. And uh, no, we don't do that. Um, uh, only motors are two stroke um, engine. That, that hope will get me there. It's kind of old, but uh hope that it gets me there. Um, but yeah, I had initially planned to start on uh, Saturday, uh, but and that would have been an appropriate date because it was April 1st and that's April Fool's Day. And uh, so that probably would have been the Good, good day to start on. Uh, but uh, I received a call to uh, teach a class at Potomac School of Ministry, and it's one that I really love, uh, one of my favorite classes, and it's um, on evangelism. And so I agreed to do that. And um, So I'm going to finish that. We plan to drive down to Yorktown, Virginia and um, start on Sunday morning. Dip the rear wheel of my bicycle <clears throat> into the Atlantic, and uh, then go across on a bike route that was established in uh, 1976. Uh, It's the um, Transamerica Bike Route. Uh, At the bicentennial of our country, uh, they designed a bike route uh, for people, crazy bikers, to go across uh, the country. And uh, it it includes stops or, or Passes by lots of historical places, as well as some of the beautiful places in the country. Um, and so it's not, uh, the Trans-America Route, as you can see, is not a direct shot uh, straight across. Uh, it actually um, starts in Yorktown and um, goes down part of the Blue Ridge Parkway to almost from North Carolina, to Damascus, Virginia, then it heads west uh, through Kentucky and Illinois, uh, Missouri, Kansas, out to Pueblo, Colorado, and then turns north up through the Rockies, uh, and that's a part that I'm really looking forward to, um, seeing some scenes there. Um, goes through Yellowstone up to Missoula, Montana, and uh, then back across Idaho uh, out to uh, Florence, Oregon, dip my front wheel in the Pacific there, and uh, then continued down um, the coast, Uh, To Anaheim. So, just a breakdown, uh, a little bit of a breakdown of the mileages in the different states in case you're interested. Uh, Virginia is 594 miles through Virginia, uh, 554 miles through Kentucky, uh, 149 miles through Illinois, uh, Missouri, 374. Kansas 524 and in Kansas, we're looking for, for, some prayers for favorable winds. Uh, it's flat and if I can get a tailwind, we can kick some miles out. Uh, Colorado, um, 472, Wyoming, uh, 455, Montana 395, Idaho, uh, 289 miles and Oregon, uh, 660 miles. Um, California, 775, uh, miles. So a total of 5,241 miles, um, on this bike, it's a touring bike, uh, Trek 520. And, um, so I don't see any motor on it anywhere. Uh, the thing on that picture is, I wish I could say that it was fully loaded, but it's not. Um, it's about 40 pounds on right there. Uh, in addition to the weight of the bike and I still have my tent to go on it. And, um, uh, a bag on the front rack yet. So, um, my job is to <clears throat> make sure I have all the stuff that I need, and that I get rid of all the stuff I don't need before I start out. <laughs> so um, that, that's a chore. Mm-hmm. That's a chore. Um, one of the things that I shared with the first service <clears throat> that I wanted to make sure, sure that I got, and uh, that was <clears throat> a cover for my helmet. Helmets for bikers uh, have a lot of vent holes in it. And uh, so actually for me, uh, I got to watch out for sunburn through the little holes. That that happens too. Um, But uh, I realized that I needed to have a cover for my helmet for when it rains. And um, it's not so bad that, you know, if it's really hot, that's fine. Um, But the issue is that those holes fill up with water and then it just kind of dams up and then it cascades down your face uh, when it gets full. And uh, it's kind of hard to see. You've got water running down your eyes. And so I needed a cover, but those things were expensive. And uh, so checking out the outfitters and stuff, I kept saying, no, I'm not going to pay that much for it. And so this past week, I was at our outfitters and um, there was a guy that didn't work there, but he had ridden a lot. He said, and so I was asking him about those. He said, ah, We'll get one of those. He said, just get you a, get you a shower cap. It works the same. same thing. works the same. And so here I am trying to find a shower cap that wasn't flowery or feminine looking. And then if you picture this, I'm walking into the store and uh, somebody says, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm looking for a shower cap. <laughs> and it's like, okay, um, I got to keep my hair dry. And so... So I did finally find one that was blue. I mean, it wasn't the best, but uh, I can't find a black one, but it, it, it works. Uh, so I hope I ha- end up having all that I need, but then some of the stuff I don't need, I like to ditch and um, get rid of that. But you'll notice on the on the next picture, um, under the seat, there's a little little thing there, and that's kind of a critical piece of equipment that I just got, and it's pepper spray, um, Not for people, I hope, but uh, in Eastern... Kentucky, uh, there are notorious, vicious, notoriously vicious dogs that um in that part of the country they don't they don't actually pin them up. Uh in fact the owner's been known to sick them on bicycles. So um, my my reason for carrying that and having it so handy is uh, if I yell at them and they don't stop and um kick at them and they don't stop, the next step will hopefully stop them. And uh, that's a stream of pepper spray in their face. Um now don't hate me because of I'm not a dog hater at all, but I do hate to offer up my leg to a dog. Um, so try to try to avoid that if possible. But pray for us, pray for, pray for Linda, and pray for me for safety and protection. Uh, pray primarily for drivers to um, be alert and not be texting as they pass us on the road. Um, much, of the tr- much of the route is on back roads. And so traffic is minimal for the most part. There's about a 20-mile section in Wyoming that we go through on the interstate uh, because it's the only way to get through some of the passes. Uh, but um, just pray that we'll be safe <clears throat> as we uh, make that route. And pray for God to put people in my path uh, to whom I can minister. And I know God does have uh, plans. He has purpose for everything that we do. And um, take care of my wonderful wife. Like you did the last um, time, six years ago, I was looking up on my journal uh, six years ago today. Uh, I was about ten days into my hike, and uh, just over a hundred miles, and so I still didn 't have my trail legs and so every mountain um, was pretty tough climbing and that particular day, we were climbing uh, in North Carolina climbing mount albert and um, it 's a pretty good mountain uh, top part of it is a technical more technical climb, um, kind of like out of, up in New Hampshire area. And, um, uh, so it, it was a cold day. It was dumping the rain. It was foggy, uh, fire tower on top of the mountain. We had hoped to be able to climb that and get views, but, uh, that was out of the question. And, uh, so we're almost at the top and walked into a clearing and saw this tent set up, this big, big tent. And um, there's a guy by the name of um, Fisherman Fred, that was his name, trail name, uh, was fixing pancakes. And that was the most welcome sight I uh, think I've seen in a long time. So we stepped in and um, he said, well, I got plenty of pancakes, but I don't have any plates left. So he said, hold your hand out. And So peeled the gloves off and, and by that time the hand is all wet and cold and shriveled and crinkly and, and he dropped a hot pancake right in it. And I, boy, I felt good. And he said, the syrup's over here, butter's here. So you just poured syrup on it and, and just had at it. And I think I had about five pancakes uh, that day. Got both hands warmed up. And uh, there's not a coffee, so I had Mountain Dew go with it. And it's a good combination. You know. It's a great combination. Um, so... Six months, six and a half months, you corrected me on. Um, I, was, I was gone um, before, and this, this time it would be about four months. So keep her in prayer and give her a hand. She is one awesome, yeah. awesome lady. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. If you're interested in following along, uh, the link is there uh, at the Facebook page. Uh, I did my through hike on um, a page similar to that, so I hope to keep another journal uh, very similar to that. And uh, hopefully, you have some pictures that um, can post as well. This is an amazing achievement. I don't think um, you know, Tim didn't mention that um, his son Zachary Clark, who was here today, I believe, uh, also got his gold medal of achievement several years ago, and the congratulations to him as well. He understands what this is all about. But every time I'm around someone who's accomplished something as significant and amazing as Noah, and um, and a other a few other young men in being awarded the Gold Medal of Achievement or uh, the Honor Star crowning awards that some of our girls have received I think of the possibilities that lie ahead of these awesome individuals who operate with such drive and determination the disciplines that led to reaching their goals in these programs will also apply to real life and can help you to be successful in other areas of life. Certainly, your parents want to see you succeed and uh, would love for you to achieve greatness in uh, all areas of your life. Uh, Your Royal Ranger commanders um, and your friends, in fact, all of us here uh, wish the same for you. Uh, It's been exciting to watch Noah grow up. These pictures were cool. Um, And uh, I remember him as... uh, a little boy. And uh, it seemed for the longest time he was this little boy running around uh, our our church and around everywhere. And then, shockingly, all of a sudden, almost overnight, his voice changed. And uh, he was no longer <clears throat> that little kid running around, but he's a young man with uh, unbelievable potential uh, ahead of him. And so I see a bright future for Noah and for others like him. Uh, And as a church body, we'll pray that uh, the decisions you have to make are some important decisions in the near future for your life. And we'll pray for God to give you direction uh, regarding those. But I want to talk for a few moments today about what does greatness look like? We want want greatness for our children. We, We want to accomplish and achieve greatness. What does that look like? Well, the scripture's It's a good place to look. And uh, there are a couple of really ambitious guys who had their hearts set on greatness. Uh, They were the brothers, James and John. And uh, in one record in Scripture, even even the mother got involved in trying to make this request of Jesus. And uh, that's natural. You know, what mother doesn't want her sons to be great and famous? And so we read... in, um, Mark 10, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee came to him teacher. They said, we want you to do for us, whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus kind of narrowing it down a little bit. That's a wide open question. You know, do whatever we ask. Uh, they replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other at your left in your glory. But Jesus responded by saying that those positions were not for him to grant, but these places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. And so, evidently, the Father has that arranged and takes takes care of that. But of course, now, as you can imagine, when word got back to the other 10 disciples uh, and they heard about what they had done, they got pretty bent out of shape. And uh, they were upset because of James and John's aggressive claims on the places of honor in the kingdom. And so Jesus called them all together, and he said, "'You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant.'" And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you want to be great with me and my glory, that's what you question, what you're asking for, then you must be willing to suffer with me and for me. If you want to get in on the greatness, then it says you must be servant. And if you want to be first, the way James and John are requesting, you must be slave of all. Now, what does that mean? Well, we look at the life of Christ, of course, and we see a life of one who uh, gave everything for others, who, who served. And so we look at verse 45 and he gives us uh, these words for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And at first glance, we look at that and we think, well, this is the Lord giving us an example to follow. And in a sense, yes, don't lord it over others, serve them. And the Lord does give us that example and that's what it looks like um, when you first see that. But as you look closer at that verse, you realize that it's not just an example to follow. But Jesus, He's not saying to us, Serve, serve me the way I serve you. Now, we, we think yeah, we, we, we need to serve Jesus, and, and uh, it's true we need to worship him. But Jesus is not saying here, serve me the way I serve you. Instead, this is not a call to serve Jesus. What we see here is a call to be served by Jesus, to be served by him as we serve others and to be ransomed by him from death. Here's Jesus telling us why he came into the world. It was not so that we could serve him. Uh, He's not asking us in this verse to serve him. He came to serve us and to lay down his life so that we can be ransomed from sin and death. Now that's a radical statement. In fact, you don't find anywhere of any other religious leader making a statement like that. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to recruit workers to keep my kingdom afloat or to, or to make it prosperous. I didn't come looking for help. I didn't come to be served. And he, he's, of course, saying to us, yeah, be my disciple and suffer for me. Be willing to suffer with me at times. Serve me and be the slave of all. That's what it means to be my disciple. But he says, don't worry about serving me and our relationship. It seems what Jesus is saying, in, in your relationship with me, I will be the servant. I will serve you. I will work for you. That's, that's radical. That's different. But in Acts chapter 17, Luke records a sermon that Paul gave in Athens that reaffirms uh, what Jesus said. Paul was in Athens waiting for Silas and Timothy to come join him uh, there and uh, while he was waiting on them, he reasoned with some of the believing Jews in the uh, synagogue and some of the Gentiles that were believers, as well as in the marketplace each day, he would talk to anybody that would listen. And uh, one day, some of these philosophers will say, well, we want to hear more of what you have to say. So they brought him into the meeting place to find out more about what he was proclaiming. And so we read that Paul then stood up in the meeting and said... Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. me get this verse. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And so Paul confirms these words of Jesus when he said the son of man didn't come to be served. Jesus didn't come in need of us. He's not served as though he needed anything. Jesus came not because he needed us, but because we needed him. Now for all of those self-righteous, self-sufficient religious do-gooders who think that they can impress God with their good works and earn a standing with him because of their own righteousness, this is bad news. All of our efforts to please God and to impress him. You know, all of our attempts to negotiate with God, you know, I'm doing more good than I am bad, so that should earn me a standing with with you. All of that amounts to a pile of ashes. God doesn't need that. Jesus doesn't need it. He doesn't need anything that you can offer him. He doesn't need all of that. But if, on the other hand, if you are weak and helpless and sinful and and know that anything that you do only happens because of his help, then that's great news, good news. And this is the good news, the gospel, that Jesus didn't come with a help wanted sign, but he came with a help available sign that says, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to minister to you. Jesus is not here because he needs anything, but he says, uh, as Paul says, he's here to give us life and breath and everything. And so that's good news because maybe a God who doesn't need me would be willing to be for me what I need him to be. And that's why Jesus came. He came because he knew we needed him uh, more than anything else. How do we need him? Well, there's probably hundreds of ways that uh, we can think of that we need Jesus. Uh, if we're going to be his disciples and follow him, uh, we really need his help to live like he did, um, serving others. That doesn't come naturally, does it? Difficult. But Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his What? Okay, snowplow. Take up his snowplow. Take up his shovel. Take up his backhoe or his hammer. Take up his headphones, microphones, musical instruments, teaching materials, trailer to haul things to people. On and on and on. You see, I believe our cross is whatever God has gifted us in in ways that we can serve others through those gifts. So take up whatever it is that God has given to you and serve. And as you serve him, you are following him. Didn't Jesus serve everywhere he went? And so we follow him by serving him. So so let's let's say, Jesus, I'm going to be your disciple. I'm following you, but I, I can't do this on my own. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I don't have that heart to do so. And so I need your help. And um, so we pray Jesus serve me by helping me to be willing to serve others. But more specifically, Jesus says, here's where you really need help. And it is in the area of someone dying in our place because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And if we're honest, every one of us will admit that we have offended and neglected God greatly. He's not been first in our lives every day of our life. And so uh, we realize that we're not in a position to serve Him or to impress Him in any way with our abilities or our good works. But honestly, we're captives to sin and we're destined for judgment. So that's why our greatest need is one that Jesus addresses here. You say, well, my, my greatest need right now is health. You know, I'm, I'm sick. I've got this disease, whatever. Or my, my greatest need is for more money. Or, or my greatest need is for a, a good job, a great job, a wonderful paying job. Or my biggest need is for a super marriage or obedient kids or or Whatever. But our greatest need, our greatest need is for someone to die in our place and to ransom us from the penalty and the power of sin so that we can escape God's judgment and we can receive and enter eternal life. That's our greatest need. And so Jesus says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is the one that we need above all other needs. God sent his only son to pay what we could never pay. That's the ransom price for our sin. And, And the ransom was immense because we had this huge debt that we could not pay on our own because of our sin. And only the son of God could pay that debt. And he did it. But the question for us today is, will we believe this? And will we receive God's service to us as the most wonderful gift in the world. And so it's not serving, it's believing and receiving. That's what the good news of the gospel is all all about. So greatness and success in life is found by beginning each day with this prayer. Lord Jesus, serve me today that sounds like a selfish prayer, but it is not. If we pray it in the proper context, that is not a selfish prayer. That's a biblical prayer. Lord Jesus, serve me today because I need you today. I desperately need you. We need him to work within us to subdue our stubborn will at times. We need him to work in us so that we can love the things that he loves and find joy in doing his will for our life. We need help with that. We'll never be the servant that leads to greatness until we allow and invite Jesus to serve us. And so every day pray, Lord Jesus, serve me today. Serve me today. And so he begins by making himself our servant at the cross. He forgives our sins. Thank God for that. And he removes all of our guilt. And he takes away all of our shame and condemnation through his death. And in the place of our sin and guilt and condemnation, God works for us. He makes makes himself our servant. But not only on the cross, but he makes himself our servant every day of our lives. And so every day... Jesus is here to serve us by giving us mercy and grace every day. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. We need it every day of our life. Daily, he bestows it upon us. James says every good gift comes from him, from above. Paul says even all things, hard things in life, work together for our good. That's Jesus serving us. Now he made this promise to the disciples if you want to be great be willing to suffer for me. And so Jesus never promises to to keep us from death or suffering. But he does promise to be with us all the way through every bit of it. And so ultimately he will serve us by taking us to be with him. Take us safely through death and then bring us home to heaven In his presence amid everlasting life and everlasting joy. And so greatness is found in experiencing this truth. That Jesus came to serve us. Hallelujah. How do you need the Lord to serve you today? As a savior? As a guide? As a friend? A healer? Whatever it is, Jesus longs to serve you today. So reach out to him and let him minister to you this morning. Praise God. Let's stand together, would you please? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today that you love and care about us more than we can ever comprehend. Jesus, you want more than anything else. Your whole purpose in life, the whole purpose of the incarnation at Christmas was you coming to this earth in human form to pay the penalty for our sins through your death on the cross. Thank you for that, Jesus. Your heart's desire is to serve us, but more than any other aspect of serving, it is to be a ransom for us and it's to, to forgive sins. So God, if there are those here this morning that, that need you as a Savior today, You are more than willing and available to them if they'll simply call out to you and believe in what you've done for them on the cross. And so Jesus, as they, perhaps there are those here this morning that acknowledge that and and asking you this morning for forgiveness. Jesus, would you pour into their lives that assurance that you have, that you've heard that prayer and that you're ministering to them right now. God, have your way in every life. We commit them to you in Jesus' name. God, I, I pray for Noah once again, God. We're anticipating great things in his life. And as he allows you to serve him and to work through his life, I believe some great things will be accomplished through his life for your glory at the building of your kingdom. So we commit him to you today, Jesus. Commit our lives into your hands, to your keeping. Have your way. In each of us, we pray in Christ's name, amen.